You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. We gotta live on science alone. Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer. And Dr. Andrea Love. And today, we are going to answer the question, how do tattoos work? Before we get into that, let's just briefly recap what we talked about last week. So in honor of Mental Mental Health Month, we spent some time talking about pandemic-induced anxiety, um, the different types of anxieties that many of us are experiencing, and some ways to, to combat that anxiety and when to seek help. Um, Andrew, did you want to add anything I think that's a great you know yeah. one one <laughs> sentence summary um you yeah. know I mean obviously mental mental health mental illness is very complex there are a variety of different types of mental health disorders and we're gonna ideally talk about some of those in the future but as you know we're nearing this kind of re-entry phase of the pandemic a lot of people have increased anxiety with the new mask guidance from the CDC and you know how to behave normally if you have young children that can't be vaccinated and all these sorts of things that complicate the matter right so oh my voice right so you guys should know that I'm just getting over a cold so I have a I'm yeah I'm almost past the laryngitis but if my my voice sounds a little strange that's why but anyhow all right Andrea, let's let's talk a little bit about tattoos. Right. So I know you have some tattoos. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them? Sure. So I have four tattoos currently. The first two I actually got on the same day on my 18th birthday when I was legally allowed to sign off on my own, um, you know, getting tattoos. I got my third one after my brother passed away in 2015. It's a tribute to him. And my fourth tattoo was a design that I had been working on for probably almost 10 years. Um, it was a running themed tattoo, but I actually decided to not get it tattooed when I ended up with a very severe foot injury that ultimately needed surgery when I was in graduate school. And I told myself um, I wasn't a runner anymore because I, I couldn't physically run and that the next marathon that I was able to complete after my foot surgery, I would I would get it done. And so I got that done in 2017 after my return, my official return to running. That's yeah. so cool. I, you know, I knew about your tattoos, but I didn't know the story, the <laughs> meaning behind all of them. That's, that's really interesting. So I have always kind of been obsessed with tattoos, but so I'm, I'm Jewish. Um, my family is not religious, but we are definitely culturally Jewish. And for those who don't know, you're not supposed to get tattoos if you're Jewish. Um, you cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. It's something about leaving the world the way you entered it. Something, oh my gosh, if you're Jewish and listening to this and I just butchered that, I'm sorry. But that that that's how it has been uh, put into my brain. But anyway, so, and then to, to add to that, not to get too too deep or, or morbid here but my my family was in the holocaust and so you know um obviously the the nazis were tattooing the the jewish prisoners in the concentration camps and so tattoos have just always been like a, a non-starter mm -hmm. in in my family i always wanted to get one um 
And just out of respect for for my family's wishes, I didn't. But and so so um, at one point when I, I don't know even know how old I was, 18, 19, I got my nose pierced. And that was kind of my <laughs> my way of doing something kind of cool and what I thought was taboo. But no tattoos for me. Well, it's just it's so funny you say that. So, you know, my partner, Josh, is also Jewish and his his family were also in concentration camps and they fled during the Holocaust, and um, he's wanted a tattoo for many, many years. He's had the design ready to go. He knows exactly where he wants it. And I've had two other designs for myself that I've been kind of holding off on getting because I was like, oh, we can go get them together. And he hasn't, you know, committed to it fully for a lot of those same reasons that you mentioned. Jewish guilt. Yes. Jewish guilt. Exactly. <laughs> and Jewish boys and their mamas, uh-uh. <laughs> His mama frowns upon it. No way he's getting it. Okay, so let's let's talk about tattoos. What is a tattoo, right? Mm. Um, a tattoo is a permanent mark or design made on your skin with pigments inserted through pricks into the skin's top layer. Typically, the tattoo artist uses a handheld machine that acts like a like a sewing machine, kind of, with one or more needles piercing the skin repeatedly. And with every puncture, the needles insert tiny ink droplets. That doesn't sound pleasant, Andrea. <laughs> so so we'll say the tattoo gun moves very, very quickly. Um, I've seen these videos of, like, a very slow motion. Maybe we'll post one on, on social media. It's really fascinating. But, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like a lot of repetitive stings. Um, and some of the needles have a single needle for, like, fine line work. And some use like three, five, seven, even nine needles, depending on the type of pattern and the type of design and the size of the design that's being done. And there, typically it's it's done without anesthetics, right? right. Um, and and it, it can cause a small amount of bleeding and can be, as we're talking about, you know, slightly or potentially very painful. Yeah, I mean, it, certain places of the body <laughs> are certainly less comfortable. I mean, you know, there's a whole chart of like where a tattoo is going to hurt more. Um, my most recent pieces are a, a rib piece. So it's uh, it goes from my upper rib cage all the way down to my hip bone. It's probably about, I don't know, a foot and a half um, long and probably five inches wide. And there's some feathering and there's some fine line work. And that took about five and a half hours. And, you know, by the end, you are very tender. Um, You're getting stabbed thousands of times with these tiny needles. And and there's very obvious swelling and bleeding as well. And, and, um, you know, so (laughs) there's definitely Mm -hmm. a little bit like a like a pain is pleasure type phenomenon in the tattoo world. Oh, interesting. So let's talk about how popular they are. I, I, As far as I know, tattoos are actually more popular than ever. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the most recent surveys, there was a 2019 poll done by Ipsos. They found that 30% of Americans had at least one tattoo, and that's actually increased um, from 21% back in 2012. And if you look at demographic breakdowns, um, those under 55 years old are twice as likely to have at least one tattoo compared to those over 55. If you look at breaking that down further, 40% of individuals aged 18 to 34 
54 and 36 percent of those that are 35 to 54 have at least one tattoo and then only 16 percent of those 55 and older have at least one tattoo um, what's interesting is that those without a college degree are are only slightly more likely to have a tattoo than than those with a college degree I'm not sure exactly why they broke that down demographically but it was 33 percent versus 27 percent but you know kind of roughly speaking in our modern era um, you know it tends to slant toward a more younger generation you know where where people are generally getting more than one tattoo and it's funny my my half brother my youngest half brother he just turned 21 and within the last year he's gotten I think three tattoos he has a friend who's a tat whose girlfriend is a tattooing apprentice and he's been offering his body up as a as a practice canvas essentially no way oh that's wild I mean the tattoos look great um he actually got the same symbol that I have on my arm for for our brother Brian um, recently on his chest but he got like a pink panther on his ankle that kind of peeks over his his basketball socks and like they're they're well done but um you know he gets a discount because apprentices are training to be professional tattoo artists Hmm. That's kind of like when I had dental work in college, I would only have it done by the dental students because it was you could afford it. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So the reasons why people get tattoos are vast, right? So it could be self-expression, artistic freedom, rebellion. You know, Andrea, you, you have some um, very personal reasons for getting a tattoo to, to honor your brother, Brian. Um, it could be a visual display of a personal narrative. And there are lots of spiritual and cultural Mm -hmm. traditions around tattooing. We'll talk about some of those um, in a minute. But yeah, some can be, (laughs) Andrea, I see you put some notes here. I see sexual motivation. Maybe you could help uh, explain what that means. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about tattoo removal at the end, but we know, you know, some people are getting tattoos to elicit a certain reaction from, you know, the the people they're trying to attract. Um, and, And even, you know, you have some that are, you know, an ode to your loved one, right? We know that people get their partner's name tattooed or, you know, some sort of symbol. And and also there happens to be a lot of, of drunken impulsiveness with regard <laughs> to tattoos. There are reasons that tattoo parlors or tattoo studios um, are very often open late into the night. I was going to say during my, um, what is it called? Right after we got married, it was not real. We didn't really do a honeymoon, but we we basically just took a bunch of our friends down to Key West mm-hmm. and all of the tattoo and piercing shops were open all hours of the night. And a lot of decisions were, <laughs> were, yes. were almost made. Yes. But okay, so the history of tattoos dates back at least 7,000 years. Um, earliest evidence of tattoos dates to 5000 BCE. And tattooing was once ubiquitous, right? Even Charles Darwin observed that there's no place in the world that didn't practice tattoo. And this was, you know, at, you know, in, in the 1800s, you know, when he was writing The Descent of Man, he was traveling the world. He was doing a lot of his biological cataloging of species. And he made these observations that cultures around the planet were tattooing. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. something novel that's stigmatized in modern culture. These are things that have happened for thousands of years. 
Right. So in terms of tattoos on actual bodies, the earliest known examples were for a long time Egyptian and were present uh, specifically on female mummies dated to uh, 2000 BCE. But following the more recent discovery of the Iceman from the area of the Italian-Australian border in 1991 and his tattoo patterns, uh, you know, this date has been pushed back at least um, a thousand years because he was carbon dated at around 5,200 years old. (laughs) Isn't that wild (laughs) that we can not only find, you know, human remains that long ago, but that there's still evidence of them having tattoos, you know, in and on their skin. And I think what's really interesting about the history of tattoos here is that if you look at anthropological and ethnographic evidence, the data suggests that tattooing and body scarring, these all evolved independently across all these different regions. It wasn't like all of these people converged and, you know, discovered this together. It's it's these numerous cultures that all developed this completely independently for sure and the reasons for tattooing are so interesting so just going back to egyptian times this this is a this is a quote from i believe vassar did a did some research around tattoos across cultures that we'll link on our website. But they said that the distribution of the tattoo dots and small crosses on the lower spine and right knee and ankle joints correspond to areas of strain-induced degeneration, which suggests that the tattoos may have actually been used to alleviate joint pain and were actually considered to be therapeutic. And so these archaeological studies have shown that ancient Egyptian tattooing was primarily practiced reserved for women. And so they think that tattooing was used, quote, during the very difficult time of pregnancy and birth, which is supported by the pattern of distribution largely around the abdomen on top of the thighs and the breasts. And it's believed that older Egyptian women would pass this tradition of tattooing down to um, to their younger counterparts. It's so interesting. I want- wonder if it's something like a ceremonial activity that's mm-hmm. dirt that's that's conducted or if it's more of almost like a distraction right if someone's being tattooed then they'll be less in tune to the pain of childbirth it you know obviously we can't, right. we can't pick their brains but um but I wonder what the underlying motivation was I know I know so so cool another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And just one other note <clears throat> about history. So across the indigenous world, we know that in the past and, and even now, uh, tribal peoples rarely describe tattooing as an artistic or aesthetic practice because there are actually no terms for art or artist in the majority of indigenous languages. Instead, tattooing is just 
integrated into the social fabric of community and and religious and cultural life. Um, It's a cultural clan or family mandated in some situations ritual that anchors societal values on the skin for all to see. So it's, you know, by by tattooing your skin, it's this source of of pride. And they often, um, what's being tattooed typically reenacts ancestral or mythological traditions. So there are images of God, ancestors, spirits. It's really, you know, these are symbols of protection, tribal unity, and genealogy. Yeah, and and Jess, you know, I mean, we know that this still persists to the present day. We know that there are many indigenous, you know, civilizations around the world that still implement this routine um, tattooing as part of their you know, induction into a community or, you know, um, ascension into adulthood or whatever the case happens to be. So, Andrea, can you talk to us a little bit about the science of modern tattoos? Yeah, sure. It's it's pretty cool, I think. Um, And actually, you know, we've learned a lot about how tattoos are permanent in the last five years, I would say. You know, as far as we have this long history of tattoos, um, throughout human civilization, a lot of a lot of the mechanism for why they last forever wasn't really known. So, as just mentioned in the very beginning, modern tattoos are applied typically with with these motorized handheld needle apparatuses. Now, there are certain tattoo artists that use more traditional um, single or manual needles uh, and things like that. Those are really kind of niche artist communities. So if you're going to a tattoo shop, you're going to typically be encountering these motorized apparatuses. And so these machines, as Jess was mentioning, they they work kind of similarly to a sewing machine where they have multiple single or multiple needles that pierce the skin to inject that ink. And that's very, very fast. It's up to 3000 needle pricks a minute. And so, you know, when you hear it, it just sounds like a buzzing. If you actually looked at it when they're applying a tattoo to you, you probably wouldn't be able to see the individual needles moving. But again, you know, you'll you see the ink being deposited. And so the way these tattoo needles work is they wound our skin, right? They're they're piercing our skin and then they're injecting that ink. And so the tattoo process injects ink into a specific layer of our skin called the dermis. Now, the very top layer of the skin is called the epidermis. And it's really important that the needle pricks actually deposit the ink into the dermis, which is underneath the epidermis, because the epidermis is constantly shedding. So if you actually tattooed the epidermis, the tattoo itself wouldn't last. It would it would fade and it would disappear in a few weeks. And so the epidermis is that outer layer of skin that you know if you get a a sunburn and it peels off and then you lose your tan that sort of thing that's what's constantly recycling but just underneath that layer you have the layer called the dermis this is a bit thicker layer it's more protected and it doesn't it doesn't recycle that quickly but this this interesting detail is actually why 
um, tattoos on certain places of the body, like the tops of the hands or the tops of the feet often are cautioned against because you don't have quite as thick a layer of dermis in those areas of your body. And so sometimes the tattoo doesn't take or, or it fades more quickly. So the dermis layer of your skin has blood vessels, it has lymph vessels, it has nerves, and it has all sorts of other structures, including several key types of cells that are going to be important in terms of why the tattoo lasts. So when the tattoo needles wound our skin, that actually triggers our immune system. And so our immune system is constantly responding to all sorts of disturbances in our bodies or insults or wounds. And so the immune system is is, is involved in all wound healing processes, whether it be a cut, whether it be a pathogen that invades our body, or even in the case of a tattoo, whether it, whether it is the tattoo. So once that ink and once those tattoo needles penetrate the dermis, um, that's going to sound the alarm to these immune cells that are in our skin. And there are some particular types of immune cells that are important in this. And these are going to be types of our immune cells called the innate immune cells. So these innate immune cells are our first responders. So the innate immune system is our general, nonspecific, first responder, kind of ready-to-go branch of the immune system. And so the innate immune system is filled with different cell types, including cells called dendritic cells and macrophages and a variety of other cell types. But what they do is they recognize damage or invaders in our body in a nonspecific manner. So in the case of the tattoo process, they recognize the release of what we call damage-associated molecular patterns, or we call them DAMPs. And these are signals from cells in our body that say, hey, I've encountered an injury. And so these could be um, fragments of the cells themselves. They could be proteins. They could be chemicals. But basically, these innate immune cells sense the release of these. They also sense the presence of the ink because the ink itself is technically a foreign invader. It's a non-human substance. And so these innate immune cells start to sound the alarm. And you have these cells that live in our skin all the time. There's a particular cell type called dermal macrophages, and these are macrophages that live in the dermis and macrophages just mean big eaters so these are innate immune cells that survey our body all the time and they eat things through a process called phagocytosis which means eating and they engulf foreign objects and they destroy them and they do this for pathogens so they do this when they encounter foreign bacteria or viruses or parasites but they also do this when they encounter these uh, release of these damps, these damage-associated signals from other cells in our body. And they also do it for things like ink particles. So we're in the skin. The needles have penetrated the skin. They've wounded cells in the skin. They've also injected these ink. So now these macrophages are basically sounding the alarm. And so what they do is they are trying to clean up the debris, where they're trying to clean up the tattoo ink. So what they do is they start to engulf the tattoo ink. 
And these macrophages, at the same time, they start producing all of these chemicals that are known as cytokines that activate other cells. So what they do is they also recruit new macrophages. And macrophages arise from a precursor cell type called monocytes. And monocytes are normally circulating in our blood system or our lymph vessels. But once they're called to action in the skin into the dermis, they turn into or differentiate into macrophages and then they stay in the tissue. So the macrophages are eating the ink, they're producing inflammatory chemicals, um, and and then they're trying to engulf and destroy the ink because they're sensing it as a foreign invader. Okay, I'm dying right now. I'm sorry. Just people are probably have their jaws on the floor because I don't think that anyone who's who's gotten a tattoo realizes that this is such an involved. It's actually an immune, you know, reaction that there is. And so, I what I think you're building toward, and I can't wait to hear is, you know, how how does this how does it become so permanent? Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're talking about this immune reaction, like. How is it that that tattoos that the ink is so is permanently visible in our skin? And now I'll shut up so you can continue. No, I mean it's 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 so <laughs> fascinating, you know. And I think I think it really underscores the fact that you know everything in our body, everything that we do to our body, everything that occurs in our body is really linked to the immune system in some way or another. Even even getting a tattoo done. But yeah, so this part is really interesting because normally, you know, macrophages, when they eat bacteria, when they eat a virus, they destroy it, right? And it's gone. They they degrade it and they digest it. And the bacteria, the virus is no longer able to spread in our body and to cause illness. But when they're taking up ink, the ink stays, right? These tattoos don't disappear. And, and part of that is underlying principles of the ink itself. Um, so, so when these macrophages eat the ink particles, the macrophages are actually incapable of digesting the ink. And normally the process that a macrophage engages in in order to digest the bacteria or digest the virus is once they phagocytose this molecule, this this particle or this bacterium, they're able to increase the acidity of their cells. So there's a compartment inside the macrophage called the endolysosome, and it becomes very acidified when a macrophage eats something. So there's a signal involved once it takes something up that it knows that it's supposed to lower the pH of that compartment, and that acidification actually disintegrates whatever it, it absorbed, right? But the ink isn't resistant to that. So once they take the ink up, acidifying that compartment in the cell doesn't degrade the ink. So the ink basically stays inside the macrophage. Now, some of the macrophages will actually leave the site of the tattoo, and that's actually why during the healing process, sometimes the the tattoo will fade a little bit. Um, But most of those macrophages actually stay in the skin in that site of the tattoo and the enzymes and the mechanisms that the macrophage have normally to digest other things other foreign objects um, they can't digest the ink with and so the tattoo is now trapped in the skin in the dermis and 
the other interesting thing is, is we know cells don't live forever, right? We know, especially in certain parts of our body, the cells turn over, meaning they regenerate. So the old cells die and new cells come. That same thing is true for macrophages. They don't become immortal and they just stay there forever. But, but the tattoo is permanent. So what's going on there? So a, a study in, the, in 2018 in the Journal of Experimental Medicine actually wanted to answer this question. And so they created a model where they tattooed um, mouse tails and they looked at how the cells kind of recycled the tattoo ink. And I'm not going to get into the details of that. But basically what they found is that when those macrophages that had previously eaten the ink but weren't able to digest it die, they, of course, release that ink particle, right? Because the cell deteriorates. And then a new macrophage comes in and it tries to eat the ink again. But again, it tries to digest it. It can't digest it. So now that new macrophage is trapped there in the skin with the ink particle. And so this leads to this cycle of what we call capture, release, and recapture of those ink particles. And this pretty much occurs indefinitely. Now, there's another cell type in the dermis as well called fibroblasts, and these also take up some of the ink too. Fibroblasts are specialized cells in the dermis that make up the connective tissue, uh, the bulk of the dermal tissue. Um, They don't take up quite as much ink as the macrophages, but they also help to ensure kind of the permanence of the tattoo. This is wild. (laughs) So, So we see a tattoo as permanent, But as you're describing it, it's this sort of indefinite, dynamic process. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think of it, you think of it as very static, but it's, but underneath the skin, literally in the skin, it's very dynamic. So you have this kind of cycle of cell death, release of ink particles, you know, eating of new ink particles, you know, and trapping and and so on and so forth. So that maybe has some implications for tattoo removal, I I would imagine. (laughs) For sure. Uh. And if anybody has ever considered or tried to get a tattoo removed, we know that you would know that it's very challenging to do. Far, far more difficult than to get the tattoo done in the first place. But, but. You know, just as rates of tattoos are increasing, so are rates of tattoo removal. And depending on the size and the location and the actual image of a tattoo, between 8 to 35% of people um, with at least one tattoo will regret it. <laughs> Those drunken tattoos of your, you know, your girlfriend's name, and then you break up a week later and, and you want to get it removed. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, I, the tattoo removal process? Yeah, sure. So, you know... As just mentioned, obviously, impulsive tattoos are more likely to be regretted than others. Um, If you are considering a tattoo, you know, for me, for example, you know, one of mine I... I've been working on for over a decade. So, so I knew that one wasn't going to be regretted once I got it done. But, um, but for tattoo removal, there are FDA authorized laser devices that are used. And, and I want to just start with the caveat that you want to consult a board certified dermatologist and don't try to use any at home advertised removal products. Those are not going to help you and they very likely could hurt you. 
Hmm. But the typical method for tattoo removal is is what we call laser removal. So it uses a particular type of laser, laser called a Q-switch laser. And these emit very, very high energy light, which actually basically break up the ink particle pigment pieces into very, very small pieces, which then the macrophages can digest and, and clear out of your body. Now, it's interesting because we're talking about a laser, which is a light beam. And so we know we have all these different colors of ink. So black ink is actually the easiest to remove because it absorbs all of the wavelengths of light, whereas colored ink is more challenging because it has to be the corresponding wavelength that could break up those pigments. But this, these ink particles have to be superheated. It causes the ink particle to expand, and then it basically cools super quickly to basically rip the ink particle apart. And this process is called photothermolysis. Um, And this is the same sort of process that's used in laser hair removal. Um, So it's this kind of superheating, super cooling, you know, rapid process that, that takes place kind of under the skin. And tattoo removal is not, it's not like you go once, right? You know, it it typically takes multiple sessions and it's not always 100%. Right. Exactly. It can um, lead to scarring and swelling, changes in skin color. And I know it's also, well, I don't know, but I've heard it's also quite painful and actually more painful than the original tattoo. Yeah. You know, I I haven't, obviously I haven't had a tattoo removed, um, but I've had, you know, several done, but I've heard that as well. And, and what's interesting is, you know, because it does take multiple sessions, because you know, you can't just kill the macrophages right in your body. They're part of your immune system. Like you can't, you know, and that's why you have to target the ink particles themselves. But because these macrophages are so resilient that once one dies and spits out an ink particle, the next one could take it up. Um, that's why it's, it's so challenging to remove them. And that's why very often it's not a complete removal. And of course, the bigger the tattoo, the the more sessions, the longer the sessions and all of that sort of thing. Now, there there are some instances where tattoos are surgically removed. And this would be where you would actually cut out the whole kind of layer of dermis in a region of a tattoo. That's done much less often, but it is uh, another method that, that takes place occasionally. And dermabrasion, which is... I'm going to I'm going to use the analogy of basically sandpapering your dermis. Um and this is much much less commonly used. It has lower success rate and has much longer healing time. But yeah, ultimately, you know, tattoos are much more easily applied than removed. So, of course, always think about them before you make that decision because those macrophages are going to make sure that it's permanent. So can we go on to talk about some of the risks of tattoos or did you have anything else to add there, Andrea? Um, I think the only last thing is that, you know, we know now that the immune system is so heavily involved in the permanence of tattoos and how tattoos work is that something that 2018 JEM paper postulated is that there may be a way to utilize that knowledge to actually make more effective removal methods in the future. Something that is more effective, is less painful, is more permanent, and ultimately utilizing our immune system to our advantage. 
How cool is that? I mean, that make, I, it makes sense to me. Obviously, I'm not the one who's coming up with these, um, you know, methods, but I that think, makes total I sense. I think the challenge there is is uh, finding funding to kind of, ah. um, you know, move that type of research forward. But, you know, right. we're seeing what we call immunotherapies being utilized for all sorts of, you know, bodily functions, disease states. So certainly it stands to reason that this could be a, an area of research in the future. So let's talk, here I am, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer right now, but obviously there are some risks of tattoos because obviously we're talking about needles breaching the skin, which means that skin infections and other complications are are possible. So people can have allergic reactions. So obviously, you know, we're using tattoo dyes. Mm -hmm. So especially red, green, yellow, and blue dyes can cause allergic skin reactions, um, itchy rash at the tattoo site, um, which can occur even years after after you get your tattoo. Of course, you could also get skin infections. Again, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, breaching the skin. Um, So a skin infection is, of course, possible after tattooing of bacteria again inside. There are also other skin problems. So we could have inflammation called a granuloma, which can form around tattoo ink. And tattooing can also lead to keloids, which are raised areas caused by an overgrowth of scar tissue. Now, it's very important that you go to a place that's using clean equipment because mm-hmm. if if the equipment is contaminated with infected blood, if they're not cleaning their, their instruments properly, you can, of course, contract various bloodborne diseases, including MRSA, Hep B, and Hep C, which can be very serious. Absolutely. Um, and rarely, tattoos or permanent makeup uh, might cause swelling or burning during if, if you're getting an MRI exam. And so in some cases, tattoo pigments can also interfere with the quality of the, the medical image. So I thought that was interesting. I actually didn't know about that. But Actually, I, I'm trying to think back. I had an MRI done recently. Do they ask? Do you know this? They, Do they ask if you have tattoos? I, oh man, I just had one in May. Um, I, I don't, wear a mess. I know. I don't remember. I mean, of course, they ask about piercings and they make you take out your piercings. And of course, that that makes sense because it's a giant magnet. I don't think they asked about tattoos, but but I think it's also important to know that, you know, tattoo inks are made up of a lot of different things. And because there really isn't regulation, I think we're going to touch on that in just a minute. Um, there, there may be some inks out there that use metals that could, in theory, interfere with an MRI. Now, that's why it's always important to do your due diligence about the tattoo shop that you're going to. You want to make sure, like where I go, it's all single-use only equipment, right? Single-use needles and single-use inks and so they're you know that that eliminates that risk of those bloodborne contamination issues but you know it's always important to keep in mind you know all of the kind of health certifications and safety practices that the place you're going to is implementing all right so you just mentioned regulation let's talk a little bit about this so the fda considers the inks used in intradermal tattoos including permanent makeup to be cosmetics so when the fda identifies any kind of a safety problem associated with a cosmetic which again this is this includes tattoo ink they investigate they take action 
infection to to prevent um, illness or injury. So the pigments used in the inks are color additives, and those are subject to pre-market approval under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. However, because of other competing public health priorities and a previous lack of evidence of safety problems associated with these pigments, the FDA traditionally has not exercised any regulatory authority for color additives on the pigments used in tattoo inks. Mm -hmm. So usually the actual practice of tattooing is regulated by local jurisdictions. Right. So you want to, when you go to a tattoo shop, you want to make sure that your your state has essentially certified or accredited that particular shop as, you know, being adhering to the local mandates. But but Jess, I find this very interesting because essentially these inks are being injected into our bodies and, and being there permanently, not degrading, staying in our skin are actually not tested for safety or mm-hmm. efficacy and and um and yet you oh, know girl. and yet thirty percent <laughs> of the population have that done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you know we're going to talk about this in just a minute. Yeah, but yeah. L- let's just talk briefly about some um, reports of adverse reactions. So in uh, 2003 and 2004, the FDA became aware of more than 150 reports of adverse reactions uh, due to certain permanent makeup ink shades. And actually, the, the number of people affected is actually far higher. This is just, a, just what was uh, reported. And so the inks associated with the outbreak were voluntarily recalled. Then again, in the spring of 2012, there were reports of infections from contaminated inks, which resulted in their recall and market withdrawal. And then more recently, in 2017, a firm voluntarily recalled several colors and sizes of tattoo inks due to microbial contamination um, identified by an FDA survey. Yeah, I was Sorry, gonna say, say it, it sounds, you know, like like there is a little bit of oversight, but certainly these these things these these issues are are after the fact, right? These are these are things where people are presumably getting tattooed, developing infections, then they're going back surveying these ink stocks, realizing that they're contaminated from the source, and and then ultimately have to kind of you know put out the fire uh, uh, as a result. Right. And, you know, I think the scientific community has raised concerns around these pigments that are used in tattoo inks. And so the FDA is investigating their safety. But exactly as you just said, I mean, these really aren't well evaluated um, for for safety. And yet so many people um, continue to get them. So right now there are more than 50 different pigments and shades in use and the list continues to grow. And although a number of color additives are approved for use in cosmetics, none are approved for injection into the skin. And using an unapproved color additive in tattoo ink makes the ink 
adulterated or, you know, it, it reduces its quality significantly. And many pigments used in tattoo inks are not approved for skin contact at all. I was shocked to read that some are actually industrial grade colors that are really intended for printer's ink or automobile paint. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really underscores the need for more oversight, particularly as more and more people are getting tattoos um right you know I mean obviously I have many tattoos um Mm -hmm. all of mine are black um I don't you know I don't use a lot of the different I I'm I'm a bit of a traditionalist I just have black tattoos but but yeah I mean it's something to to keep in mind and and you know there are there are locations on the body that are um, non-traditional that people are getting tattooed. I saw I saw a new thing where people are getting the whites of their eyes tattooed, where they actually inject. No. Yeah, they actually inject the pigment into the ocular fluid, which I, I can't. And and there have been several several serious consequences as a result. Um, I mean, I mean that's just <laughs> a terrible idea to begin with. Um, right. Skin is one thing. Eyeball, whole nother ball game. I am horrified right now. So, Andrew, we we have to talk about, you know, obviously bringing it back to to vaccines, Mm -hmm. you know, our favorite topic. The number one thing that we hear, you know, in response or people's hesitation for for the um, for the COVID-19 vaccines is they're not FDA approved. Mm -hmm. So can we talk a little bit about that? There's some cognitive dissonance going on there because there are so many people who have tattoos. And as we just discussed, the lack of regulation and lack of safety studies and approval, you know, yet these people are okay with getting these tattoos, yet they're opposing vaccines on on you know on this basis. Yeah, and you know it's this is this is a particularly interesting comparison because this is almost apples to apples, right? There it's it's injecting versus injecting, right? And this is intradermal, you know, into the dermis versus intramuscular, so it's a slightly different tissue when you look at a tattoo versus uh, a vaccine, but First, vaccine ingredients, as we've posted about, um, are gone from the body within days, whereas tattoo ink is permanent and actually utilizes the immune system to ensure that permanence. But on top of that, the biggest difference is that vaccines are rigorously tested for both safety and efficacy, whereas there's really no efficacy for tattoos because people are just doing this for a, an expression, but they're not tested for safety, you know, and there's there's not a lot of regulation about different inks, different tattoo shops use different brands of ink, different formulations of ink, and there's very little oversight with regard to, you know, what you're injecting into your body. It's so true. I mean, the amount of research and monitoring and surveillance and safety data and everything that we have on these vaccines, it's just so funny to me. And the fact that they actually do have the the pandemic equivalent of FDA approval, right? Emergency use authorization. And the fact that we now, we know that the that we, that FDA approval is just around the corner now that we have the six months of data right. needed for it. Yet, Still, <laughs> you know, people are using this as an excuse. I, I, I don't know what it is about vaccines that I don't. It's like people just, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon, and I, you know, I think, I think, I think it warrants maybe a 
psychological component discussion on on this you know in particular this cognitive dissonance between say tattoos and vaccines maybe on a future episode for sure all right so I think today we um we we covered a lot of ground about tattoos right we talked about the history some of the cultural reasons that people get tattooed and all the other reasons that people uh might choose to get a tattoo and Andrea you really um gave us a really (laughs) no really it was so fascinating to learn about how how involved the immune system is in the tattoo process and how while you know to us it seems that the ink is stagnant right and Mm -hmm. it's this permanent thing that we have in our bodies it's this it's actually this dynamic ongoing process that that's occurring in our bodies indefinitely Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about the risks we talked about the regulation or lack thereof so I think we covered a lot of ground do you have anything to add before you take us home I think the one last thing I want to emphasize is that when you do get a tattoo you have to remember that this is a wound on your body and as such your immune system in addition to being involved in the permanence of the tattoo the immune system is involved in the healing of the tattoo so just like you would after a vaccine or when you're ill you want to make sure that you rest that you hydrate that you follow all those after tattoo care instructions because your immune system is taking on a heavy task particularly with a large tattoo um, to ensure that you can heal and that's very often why many people just after tattooing experience low-grade fever they experience lethargy and fatigue because because it really is you're you're mounting an immune response you're 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 doing this wound healing process um that ultimately will lead to the scabbing and the healing and the permanence of that tattoo so cool all right andrea take us home all right thanks for joining us today we hope you learned a thing or two and have a newfound appreciation for the immune system and if you like our pod please share with your friends and family and leave us a review on apple podcasts please also check out our website at www.unbiasedscipod.com you can find all of our show notes and links to the studies we refer to as well as picking up yourself some unbiased science merch next week in honor of World No Tobacco Day, we are going to focus on e-cigarettes in particular. We're going to discuss their very known risks, but also their potential benefits, particularly those for career smokers. We will continue to provide updates on COVID-19 on our social media accounts, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unbiased SciPod. Catch you next time on the pod, your trusted source for no-nonsense, just science. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist.